Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most important topics you will hear discussed this year, and that topic is getting Christians to vote. Elections directly and seriously impact every aspect of life in America, from the local level to the state to our national elections. The men and women we elect will make life better or worse for those of us in the field. People of faith in Christ can, if they participate and if they vote in sync with biblical values, have the power to sustain the greatest nation the world has ever known or not. Our guest today is an expert where faith intersects with community impact and civic duty. His name is Jason Yates, and he's the CEO of My Faith Votes, an organization that motivates and equips every Christian to think, pray, and vote. His passion to see Christians act on their faith to make a difference in their communities and in our nation has made a measurable impact on Christian voter turnout since its inception. Jason, welcome to the show. Jimmy, it's an honor. Um, I'm so glad we were able to make this finally happen. Um, and uh, what yes. you're doing and what this podcast is doing to you know really connect people. I mean, our patriotism is a good thing, right? And but our faith yes. is even more powerful, and that's really what should motivate us. And I think there's a call for people. I mean, you talk about in your intro uh, voting. Uh, I think there's a call specifically because of our faith to be engaged in this yes. process. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to get into that topic because I don't think everybody sees it the same way you do yeah. and the same way I do. And that's why this podcast matters. That's why your message today is going to matter. But as we get started, first of all, let me let me just say thanks for the work that you and your team are doing. It really is making a huge difference. It's made a huge difference, actually, in my life as I've considered the candidates and the issues and the things that matter most to me. So thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, tell us a little bit about who you are, about who My Faith Votes is, your vision, and what you do uh, to make a difference. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure people really care all that much about who I am, but um, you know what I'll say is this: um, we got started. My faith votes got started. Um, it's a little bit in the family. It's through my uncle. Um, he's an attorney and literary agent, and he represents a lot of Christian authors. You know, walk into a Barnes and Noble, go down to the Christian section, and um, there's nice. plenty of authors there that he represents. Mm -hmm. One of those is Dr. Mm -hmm. Ben Carson, and uh, he uh, was working with Dr. Carson on uh, some of his really powerful books, and one of them mm -hmm. called One Nation, and it's really about how to bring our nation back to its founding, its roots, and as you mentioned earlier in your introduction, um, a key element of that, how we do that, is uh, very much connected to our decision of whether or not we're going to vote. And um, yes. and so in writing that book, uh, my uncle had learned that there were 25 million Christians in 2012 who were registered but didn't vote. And Jimmy, I just want to put that in context for you a little bit, Okay. What's the average church size? Let's let's be generous and say that the average church size is even 150 people. Okay, 150 people. If it's even that, that means that 25 million Christians is equivalent to 167,000 churches saying, 
I'm out. I'm not going to vote. Okay. But here's another thing. It's the equivalent of the number of registered voters in 22 states. Think about that. The number of registered voters in 22 states saying, I'm out. I'm not going to vote. It's a lot of people. It's a huge amount of influence. And we as Christians have to recognize, you know, that um, our faith has something essential to contribute and we need to be involved and engaged in the process. So we started My Faith Votes. Um, We said, man, we got to do something. Um, We invited Dr. Carson to be our honorary national chairman. He was in 2016. Mm -hmm. Of course, he went on to be part of the administration. And so we reached out uh, and invited someone who's been in politics, been a pastor, ran for president. That's Governor Mike Huckabee, and he's uh, walking yes. alongside us in this as well. So I just get the honor and pleasure Amazing. to be kind of connecting and walking alongside some really incredible people who are really smart and, more importantly, really wise. And um, <laughs> yes. and we're we're doing all we can in this to reach, to motivate, and equip. Christians to vote and vote biblically in every Hmm. election. It's amazing. Okay. So just to back up the numbers that you just shared are outrageous. Yeah. I wonder how many people like me have any sense of the number of people that are believers in Christ that are completely disengaged with our voting process. And I know that another stat you, you talk about is that 65 million believers don't engage in their local elections. And if we have learned anything over the last two, three, four years, or maybe 20 years, but if we've learned anything is how important those local elections are, whether it's the school board or it's city councils or it's public health officials or it's state elections, that that's where the rubber meets the road in many ways because policy and mandates and shutdowns and school closings and all of the other destructive decisions that are happening in many ways are happening at these local and state levels. If if 25 million aren't, aren't voting in the national elections and 65 million are disengaged from their local politics, what kind of impact? I mean, that's a huge opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a huge opportunity. I often quote Galatians 6.10. It says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, but especially those of the faith. And I believe voting is an opportunity to do good um, because we know that we represent biblical principles that indeed are good for humankind. And and we need to bring those forward. We need to bring that influence. If we stay out, um, Governor Mike Huckabee once said, you know, do you do your dishes? If you don't do your dishes, the pile of dishes just, you know, increases. The flies start swarming around. The stench increases. You got to roll up your sleeves, right? And you got to go do the dishes. But if we stay out, if we abdicate that that field and we say, uh, I'm out, then, of course, the only values that are going to be represented are those that we don't align with. You know, the great thing about the United States of America is it starts with the premise, we the people. It means that all of us can and should 
bring forth the values that we hold dear. Now, there are going to be some values that are antithetical to our biblical worldview, and there's going to be people showing up representing those values. We as well should show up and make sure that our values are represented. You know, you use the the term destructive policies. I think there are very destructive policies. Yes. But Proverbs 18, 9 says the lazy person is just as bad as the one who destroys things. So think about that, right? That there are destructive policies. There are people in place who are um, putting forth policies and bills that are destroying our nation, are actually destroying our families, um, um, our kids' futures. Uh, but the lazy person is just as bad as the ones putting those forward. Wow. That if we stand yeah. on the sidelines, hey, we're just as bad because we're contributing yeah. just as much. That's amazing. You know, that perspective, that, that's going to be convicting for some of us, right? Because you cannot continue to be passive, sit on the sidelines, hope, you know, kind of click your heels that everything's going to work out because it's not. And my experience is that um, evil ideologies never sleep. Right. I mean, they're they're active. They're they're participating fully. I mean, in fact, we're activating whole generations around ideologies that are antithetical to our biblical roots in America. One of the things I love about uh, what you are are doing is you want to influence our nation with biblical truth. You want to, in many ways, go back to the way we were founded, where God is honored in the public square where biblical truth is advanced in our culture. And the only way that we can be salt and light is to engage um, right now. And I, I'm sure that you see this from the front lines. There is a culture war going on right now in America. There is a war for the soul, for the values, for the virtue of America, for our very system. Mm -hmm. And it, the culture is, is upside down in some ways where evil is good and good is evil. Is that what you're experiencing? Man, you just said so many powerful things, and there's so many that I want to hit on. Um, absolutely, yes, to when, uh, to your question. If, if you hold, if you truly hold a biblical worldview, if you're in the Word of God, you recognize that at the end of the day, there's um, a view that there's, there's a power and authority that is for God, and there is against God. Mm -hmm. If you really want to simplify what's going on, you'll break it down to that level of simplicity. And, yes. and you'll start to look around at what's happening, whether it's what's happening in the media, um, what bills are being put forth in the government. And you'll start to ask yourself, is this for God or is this against God? Now, not everything is mm -hmm. that simple. But here's the thing, and the other word that you use that I think is really important these days, because um, there's there's a, a temptation and we're throwing around the phrase, vote your values. Oh, I think in a sense, we should vote our values, but our values are what we value. It's it's what individuals value and think is right. I, yes. I want to challenge us, Jimmy, for us to vote our virtues. Yes. What's above us and and up and beyond what we individually value and think is right 
and let's go to true righteousness and let's look at the word of God and say, what are the virtues we should be voting for? The one of the great thing about America is, you know, it starts in the Declaration of Independence. And in there, we recognize that as a nation, we were birthed in recognition that there is something beyond us. There is something bigger than this nation and the government that we are um, that we submit to. Um, yeah. it, it recognizes it in our Creator, the words of our Creator, and, and the rights we have bestowed yeah. upon us by our yeah. Creator. And there's some other terminology in that uh, in the Declaration that it's just clear. Yes. We if we submit to that first and foremost. And and then everything is aligned in terms of righteousness and justice um, in our nation. But as we yeah. start, you know, just thinking first about what we want and what we value, and I think that's a little bit of the challenge. Um, you know, our at my faith votes, our mission and our voice—it's not to the world; it's to the mm -hmm. church. Yes. And I think the big thing that I think with the church, we really have to take a hard look. Are we falling victim of that, of mm. um, yes. are raising up and, and um, putting our values ahead of virtues? Yes. And um, there's got to be, you know, uh, some revival happening yeah. within the church in order for yeah. this nation to really change as well. I agree. And I, boy, you have hit on some really important points. And I want to underscore some of this. I mean, values are negotiable, right? And values actually can be changing, whereas virtues are timeless. They're tied to a responsibility to God and others. And so we have this built-in accountability around virtues. They are things that God says are good qualities. They're, they're good disciplines. They're good qualities mm -hmm. to have. And that's why our founding was so successful. You, you said it, uh, progressive Christianity is, in my opinion, a departure from, uh, from Orthodox Christianity, right? Where we believe in biblical truth applied to life. Progressive Christianity says, what does life look like? And let's make our faith fit what life looks like. It is working its way through the, tr through the church. And here's the latest stats. I think this is a Gallup poll that only 37% of pastors have a biblical worldview. And so now all of a sudden I'm like, man, do I really want believers to vote if they don't have a biblical worldview? And sometimes people will say this, and I'm sure you've heard this many times. I don't care how you vote. I just care that you do vote. Now I can tell you, I do not ascribe to that. I personally can't say that in good conscience. I believe that Christians should vote their conscience based on moral truth and conviction in an informed way. Sure. That's one of the reasons I love My Faith Votes, because you have a clear conviction around, uh, around core elements that people should be considering when they vote. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, in the intro, you, you laid out the formula that, that we ascribe to, which is pray, think, yes. and and really that third one is act. Our primary action is voting. And so we're helping to equip the body of Christ to do those three things. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. And then in Romans, um, it, it describes how we build faith in its listening to God. And so how do we listen to God? Well, we listen to what he says and how he leads us, but we listen to the word of God and we think well about that. So the first thing is, if we want to please God, and I hope we all raise our hands and say, yes, I desire to please God. So if we're going to do that, and in this sphere of politics, yes, the first thing that we need to do is to listen to God. So we approach him through prayer mm-hmm. and we approach his word, trusting that it is true and right. But what did uh, what do we see in in the first book of the Bible uh, in Genesis? You see the serpent. And just as he always does, he said, did God really say? And And so we listen to that that voice, that lie, um, and it's happening in the church. You see it with deconstructionism, where they were breaking it down and saying, I don't know that God really meant that. Let's break all this apart and let's rebuild it up to the values that we have. Yeah. And, and so that's what's happening, I think, and yes. why you see some of those stats of 37% of pastors who hold a biblical worldview. I think that was the number you gave. Yeah. It's a a uh, bad number, isn't it? I mean, like that's a really bad number. That's almost as bad as the numbers you started with the 25 million. (laughs) It's like, this is bad news. Yeah. It's, it's bad news. And, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to knock pastors um, in general, um, but I just want to plead it for anyone who is a pastor. Man, people out there, they're hungry to hear what the word says and, and the teaching that each and every pastor is, is charged with mm-hmm. delivering um, to know how to navigate these interesting times when you have the world lying about things and just confusing topics. Yes. And so, man, yeah. I just encourage every pastor out there, be bold because your your congregation needs it, wants to hear it, um, wants to hear the truth of God really spoken yes. boldly around these really important issues that, by the way, these aren't political issues. Exactly. These are, these are cultural. These are biblical. Yes. They just, there are solutions that become political. And, and, and so we get all confused, you know, there's a real lie out there around the separation of church and state um, that are, that we shouldn't be involved and engaged in politics because of this thing that people believe around the separation of church and state. But um, that's a lie that I think a lot of people are getting confused about. Um, They believe it's part of our, our documents. It's not. And, um, uh, we want to keep government out of religion, not the yes. other way around. Well, that boy, that's an important distinction, right? Because the separation of church and state does not exist. That language doesn't exist. However, in our founding documents, of course, there is protections for people of faith. There's protections for 
the free exercise of your faith. We've gotten some great Supreme Court rulings recently that says you don't have to check your private faith in the public square. You can you can be who you are and you can express yourself and your faith in the public square. I think of Coach Kennedy uh, with a big win at yeah. the Supreme Court level at, with our friends at First Liberty and ADF. I mean, people are they're winning and they're winning big. What? The church has historically played a very active and vibrant role in our culture it, it, through the schools, sure. um, in the in the public square. I mean, most of the people that that were part of the original uh, founding of our country were Christians. Uh, I know that's not uh, completely understood because there's a lot of lies going on around that. But I understand why some pastors are hesitant or reluctant to speak about participating in the election process. Mm -hmm. But. Can they preach? You you said it well. All of these issues have become politicized. Does that mean that the church can never again speak on moral issues because those moral issues have been politicized? Can pastors yeah. preach about these most important moral issues, even though they've been hijacked by politics like abortion, immigration, rule of law, um, gender issues, marriage, even the family? Can they do that? And do they have an obligation to do it? Well, I think you're, that question is really the question we need to be asking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, can is is uh, a question of does the government allow them to? Yep. Um, and and I think one of the things that has really been, uh, in some sense, there's it was perceived originally as a protection of the church, but yes. it's the Johnson Amendment. The mm -hmm. Johnson Amendment said basically, oh, 501c3s, that means, you know, you're nonpartisan and so forth. And so you can have that and you can have this tax status, but you just can't talk into these political issues. And, and that has really been a handcuff yeah. on many pastors and churches where that's... Um, propagated that lie that yeah. we can't be or shouldn't be involved. But I think the, as you point out, pastors had been at the forefront in the foundation and the fight for freedom of this nation. Yes. And um, they've been at it at every turn only in the past few decades. Yeah. Uh, you know, the past 50 years really have they, been abdicating more of that responsibility or saying, no, we can't speak into that. Mm. And so there is a need. There really is um, for the church to be more bold in speaking up on yeah. these issues. So yeah. I think it's a question more of should they yeah. um, versus can they? Yeah. And regardless of whatever the government says, I do think that we need churches who are going to boldly speak into these issues no matter what. And, and listen, it's not about taking political sides for right. political power. That's right. This is about speaking biblical truth yes. about issues that are very clear in the Bible. Yes. Do that. And that alone will um, grow the congregation. Yes. I truly believe that and strengthen the congregation. Yes. And, you know, when that happens, I think then then we'll be more excited about more Christians registering and participating in the process because they're informed. Yeah. They're prayerful about it. Yeah. They're informed by their their spiritual leaders. What I'm seeing, and I'm sure you're seeing this as well, I'm seeing a tremendous revival of pastors and leaders in the church 
And I think part of it, um, their passion to get reengaged in the culture in this way, even though there's political sides being taken, is because they're seeing what's happening in our school systems. They're seeing what's happening to our kids. I was at a meeting uh, last week where of pastors where a mom and her husband shared a story about how their child was being uh, indoctrinated into certain gender ideologies in their school system, and it blew everyone away. And I can tell you there was universal passion about participation now in local uh, in the local culture, for sure. And I'm seeing that revival. Are yeah. you seeing that among church leaders? Well, sure. Um, I'm seeing it among parents, for sure, which is getting church leaders involved um, and excited as well. But yes. we, we know that the pandemic um, sort of peeled back and revealed a, a number of things that are happening in our city councils, in our school boards, yes. et cetera, that um, helped us think a little differently. Uh, again, I think it's there's been abdication of responsibility. I think as parents, even with you know the t- Department of Education, when that was established in the 70s, we all said, "Oh, government's got this. We'll just let them run with it. They have the best. Uh, they have the, our kids' best yeah. in mind." And I think we're peeling some of those layers mm-hmm. back. And it's starting to get back to the local community and we're recognizing, you know what, that's not always the case. Yeah. They don't always have the best or at least what we perceive to be the best in mind. And yeah. and so people are wakening up. And um, and I do think there are a lot of pastors who are seeing it as well mm-hmm. and speaking into it. My pastor just got done with... Um, a series on mm. abortion, homosexuality, on race, on, you know, truth, um, biblical truth. And, you know, that's really powerful. Yeah. I just got back from speaking at an event in a church in Vermont. You know, mm. Vermont is the least churched state. Yes. And uh, I was so thankful to be in a small church, <laughs> a small congregation where um, they were all on fire f- for this. And I think, yes. you know, revival is going to come when we light the tender, not the wet wood. And I think there's big logs of wet wood out there. Um, and we're going to see revival mm-hmm. through just small, passionate congregations yeah. um, in this country. Yes. I love that imagery, right? Because that puts the responsibility right back in our hands. I mean, I love the idea that we're responsible one at a time for waking up to biblical truth and then applying that biblical truth to the way we act in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and in our civic responsibility through voting. You You have four core pillars of faith, which you focus in on, which inform how you would say the voting process, right? Well, these are four things, four core pillars that you think people should engage in as they make their decisions about who to vote for. Can we talk about those four religious freedom, sanctity of life, strong families and marriages and compassion and support for those in need? Talk a little bit about those four core. Well, we know that our nation was um, built on religious freedom. And I believe that we're not um, and we shouldn't um, advocate for Christian religious freedom. I think we really need to be committed to all religious freedom, because if we start, you know, 
choosing sides and who wins and who doesn't, um, then it will yes. mean that our our um, freedoms will be diminished in some way in the future. So yes. it, it really is for all of us. And the um, and this country was built on that. That's why that's why the Pilgrims came yes. across the Puritans came across um, because they sought that, and that is so important. But yes. you know, as I look at and think about the threats to religious freedom, we're we're slowly moving to a, a red level of threat because you think about it. You mentioned, you know, the coach, um, you know, who was praying on the sidelines. He thankfully won that case, but there's been plenty of other cases. Yeah. Just the fact that these folks, whether it's a baker or a florist or a coach, um, you know, they're, they're being sued, they're being fined. Um, and thankfully yes. we do have some groups that are fighting the fight for those things. Life, um, life is yes. so important um, in all of life, but especially the unborn. And now you talk about yes. importance of elections. What happened at the Supreme Court in the case with Roe, it just mm. simply recognized mm. that this is an issue for the states. And now the battle is is divided 50 ways. And so it's a it's yes. a call for every single person to be engaged in who they elect to their state legislature, um, their assemblies, their senates, um, to make sure that life is represented there. It's really important. Um, yes. And then it plays yes. out in all kinds of things. Well, um, and then- um, Yeah, well, real quick, let me jump, let me jump in on Sanctity of Life, because this yeah. is a, a historic moment, right? It, it didn't outlaw abortion, of course. There, right. are, there are opponents and there are those that are uh, you know, making that case, but it obviously hasn't done that. There are, there are states like the one I live in, Colorado, that allow abortion all the way up to delivery, which is um, only 15% of the people believe that that should be the case. 85% of Americans say that there should be logical restrictions to abortion. We all agree to that. Many people believe that it should be somewhere in that 12 to 15 week. But the beauty of what you just said was, it handed this issue back to us at the local and state level. And now we have to, as people of faith, we have to engage in that process. It's another reason to care about what's happening in your local communities. Yeah. And almost an equal number of people um, uh, believe that the courts shouldn't be deciding this issue. And so um, yes. if we truly believe that, then we have to show up, right? And, yeah. and elect yeah. people who are going to represent us well in in those things yeah. and listen if you are um a believer in christ if you are a follower of christ you know the value of life and um i just want to encourage everyone that um mm -hmm. many in the church have this argument that i know what i believe but i don't know that i can force that on somebody else and i just mm -hmm. I kind of reject that argument. It's sort of like, um, you know, I think about if, if you come to, um, or if someone's um, beating you with a baseball bat um, and you say, stop, stop, and they slow down, you know, does that, um, right. uh, is that okay? And the same kind of thing that <laughs> if we just say, let's slow it down and we'll let, you know, some people, 
have it and others, you know, it's still painful for our nation. Yeah. Um, the, the undercurrent yeah. of what's happening um, and the, the yeah. disrespect for life is, is there and an undercurrent in yes. our policies and bills. So um, yeah. I encourage everyone. And, and real quick, yeah. Jason, Jason, I think this is really important what you've just said, right? That this uh, abortion is, is symbolic of whether we value human life or not. Yeah. And that's why people of faith have to engage, right? Science tells us that, that at conception, that's a human life. Yeah. And then we've got great organizations like Live Action, and yeah. there's other so many advocates like Christine Yergin, who's been on our show. I mean, just so many out there fighting this fight who we know too much now because of ultrasound yeah. technology. We know exactly what's happening in the womb at all stages. So science tells us that that's human life. But what our faith does is it informs us as to the value of that life and whether it's worth protecting. And that's the beauty of what you're doing is you're helping people to realize that your faith should inform your vote because that life is important. Yeah. And we have to be wise to the way things are, are developing in our nation because yeah. now as, yeah. as Roe has been overruled, now there's strong mm. pushes for various reproduction rights, which start to creep into this combination of life and sexuality because the reproductive yeah. rights start to be a conversation about, you know, who can do what and um, the the whole uh, gender fluidity conversation starts to yes. creep in as well. So it's all connected. Yes. Um, we just have to be wise. We have to be biblical. We have to be yes. wise and we have to be bold and stand up um, yes. and, and be a part of the process. I love that. So those, those are the first two core pillars. Then you you talk about yeah. strong families and marriages. Why is that so important to my faith votes? Well, it's, it's the nucleus of our, our communities, of our families. Um, yeah. you know, and so I think, you know, go back to what we saw in Genesis, right? That question of, did God really say? And so we're starting mm. to see some of the breakdowns of, do you really need a mom and a dad? Aren't, aren't two moms, two dads okay? Um, isn't it okay that we teach your kids that there's options and all of this? And here's the thing. I, I, I remember my dad once saying, uh, this was back when I was early 20s, just graduating college. Mm -hmm. And I remember him making the comment that I can't imagine raising kids now. And that was way back when, you know, I'm in my fifties now. And, right. and I look at what's happening and I say, man, it is so hard. We're raising confused. Um, yes. I'll just say that confused kids. And, yes. um, and it takes everything as a Christian parent to eliminate all that noise and help them grow up spiritually strong. Um, yes. So what's happening? Yes. Well, look at look at what's happening with um, mental health. Look at what's happening oh. with, um, you know, uh, suicide rates amongst kids. Um, you know, I travel yes. a lot, Jimmy. I, 
I, when I'm in airports, the the population I see wearing masks more than any other population is the youth. They're walking (laughs) around everywhere wearing masks. And I'm just like, who's telling them this? Um, Yes. So I, I, you know what, James, I've seen that same thing. And you know, I'm, I do everything within my power not to be agitated by it. I yeah. just I apply grace and mercy yeah. to it, but I see it as well, and I, I feel the same way. And, and this is just to say that there, there is someone saying those things, and you know how confusing and insecure yes. um, our kids must be. And then care and compassion. You know, Christ probably spoke more about... Yeah care and compassion for those in need. Now we have to understand the biblical authorities that God established here on earth. Um, we have to understand that he, he established um, our own self um, rule, right? How we govern ourselves. Um, there is a need for us to be governed in such a way and by the Holy Spirit that we make right choices. But there are um, authorities with the family. There is um, governing authority within the church. And yes, Mm. there is governing authority at the public, but we've got to be so careful that we don't um, uh, abdicate or push off our responsibilities at one level to another and therefore get some things upside down. Um, So we have to show care and compassion, but let's also recognize Mm -hmm. first the responsibilities um, at the self, at the family to care for that nuclear unit, the church for the body of Christ and those in their community. And then where does the government come in? Um, So those are important concepts. Um, and we have to think well and understand what does the Bible say about those things um, so yes. we can know how to support and, uh, those candidates who represent yes. those views. So good. And, you know, as we engage at the local levels, it's even more important, right? Because you've seen it happen where the parental rights are under assault from our political leaders. You know, when moms and dads show up at school board meetings to contest objectionable, offensive curriculum for their seven-year-old, you know, with the books and the materials and the indoctrination and all of this wild, hyper-sexualized exposure, when they show up and they're classified by some of our highest officials in government and local officials as domestic terrorists, that's when you know that we are not valuing the family marriages, intact families like we should. So that's why our voting in those areas, caring about those issues matters so much. Yeah, it really does. And, um, and you know, these issues are connected, right? What happens, yeah. you know, as we look at those who are um, in need, in help, there's, there's a dignity yes. of life that we need mm-hmm. to support. And so how we value the sanctity and dignity of life, how we value families, et cetera. It's, it's connected. It's, I don't know if I want to use the word circular, but there's a, there's um, certainly connections that make sense in how uh, we think about these issues, how we think biblically. Yes. Yes. And, you know, helping others in need, I was just thinking how interconnected they are. When you talk about the sanctity of life, it's one thing to be pro-life and to believe that 
you should carry that baby to term. It's another thing as a believer to engage proactively with your crisis pregnancy centers and provide resources for those those pregnant moms, provide yeah. resources for them during pregnancy, after they deliver, um, adoption services, and also helping them to navigate the first year or two or three years of being a new mom. So yeah. that's another way that all of these issues kind of uh, integrate, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, um, something you said earlier around salt and light, um, you know, one of the things I know, Christ didn't say, I want you to go out and be salt and light, right? He said, you are salt and light. Um, is our identity. It's who we are and our actions and um, how we live out our faith should reflect that. If we're not, yes. we need to really evaluate our commitment to our faith and what um, God has called us to. So, Yes, he wants us to reflect who we truly are. And that is looking up, looking out, and taking the lead in our communities to bring the influence of our faith where it needs to go. Um, so, I yeah, that. I want to encourage, I mean, Christians, let's look up and look out and let's yeah, lead in our that. community so that we are known by our faith not by all uh, the the tax and the negative views that people want yeah. to stick on us, but by our love, by our commitment to action, um, and by our resolute to be part of the process. I love that. I love the picture of looking up, looking out, and leading from a position of who we are in Christ, that we are salt and light, and we're to conduct ourselves in a way light is attractive it, it, and it breaks through darkness. Salt uh, preserves and it also protects and heals. That's the kind of people we should be. And you say, yeah. my faith votes. This is what I love about you guys. You reach Christians to stand boldly for the values that we share in every election and in every community across our nation. If you were to coach our parents and our listeners and our citizens right now, to do one or two things. First of all, your website is amazing. Yeah, uh, the resources there. If you were to say, here's where I want you to start, what are one or two things that you would tell people to do right now? Huh. Um, first, if you are not praying for our nation um, on a regular basis, if you aren't committed to that process, um, that's where you need to start. We mentioned... Um, Hebrews eleven six it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that faith comes from listening to him. And that means having, um, uh, basically submitting and coming before him. Um, and not just saying what we want, but listening to what he has to say. So um, prayer is the first piece, I would say. Um, second is... Um, kind of related to what I said before, look up, look out and lead, get involved in our communities. Um, we all can do something, right? And I think it's asking yourself that question. What can I do? There's something you can do. Um, and if we simply look up out of our current situation and look beyond our uh, immediate environment and say, what's happening? 
you know, what can I get? If we just get involved in things, we're going to know more about it. We're going to care more about it. And we're going to want to be part of the solution. And that that includes voting. Um, and so, yeah. um, man, if we if we had people involved and informed, um, wow, they'd be great voters, right? Because we want informed voters and we want yeah. biblical and informed. Um, and so... Yeah. Those are the things I would really encourage people to do. You know, Jimmy, when we we came out of our first year of operations, that was 2016, and we seriously considered, do we change our name? Do our change our name? We considered My Faith Matters. Um, and we were still focused on the public square, but we were thinking, man, is votes too constraining to uh, to an election season? And you know what I said? I said, you know what? We vote every day. We vote every day with what we do um, and how yeah. we put our faith into action. And you know what? I I just want people to understand that and to say, you know, today I'm going to vote to make my faith count in the lives around me. And so yes. now I, I was a fan of sticking with my faith votes. And let's just lean into that idea that we vote every day. I am glad you said that. And I'm going to give you a shameless plug because the website is tremendous. Uh, everyone should go to my, myfaithvotes.org. Is that right? Myfaithvotes.org? Yeah, myfaithvotes.org. Okay. There are tremendous resources on there. And it's one of the simplest websites to navigate because it talks about praying, thinking, acting, and voting. It's the four pillars of, of taking action. I want to send our listeners there. I want to refer it out because that's where you're going to find prayer guides, you're going to find take action kits, you're going to find uh, the major issues that you care about most, engage on this website, become a partner with these with these folks, and you will truly make a difference. We've got an election, we've got elections right around the corner. Some are right yeah. on us right now. And we really need people yeah. to engage. Let, let me highlight two things on that website, yeah. especially this year yeah. that I really want people to know about and see. Yeah. We have my voter hub. My voter yeah. hub is everything you need. I, I'm um, really serious. I believe this is the most comprehensive set of resources for the Christian to engage and get involved in an election season. So, so um, on there, you're going to see My Voter Hub. And the other thing we released recently is called MFE TV. And if you're just interested in getting a biblical worldview and listening to some leaders across the nation, some uh, pastors, some politicians who are talking about key topics, go to my mm. MF, or MFV TV. It's right up there at the top in the navigation. Yeah. And there's a lot you can get and maybe binge watch some things and just, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think you'll find it really valuable. Well, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm pretty psyched about this because when you just said my voter hub, I'm going to go there because we need consolidated information. That's why this website's so yeah. powerful. That's why My Faith Votes is such a powerful platform and such a powerful voice. Jason, thank you so much. We're going to have you back on for sure because there's there's more ground to cover. But thank you for what you're doing to engage Christians in the process with information and to get them involved and to vote. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Jimmy. You bet. God bless you, man. Thanks.